Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Yesterday, the science table released some new modeling and what we can expect. Uh, worst, best case scenarios if we stay the course. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at this and thinking, well, this is okay. This is good news. We've seen the numbers go down uh, and Canadians can expect this fall uh, and winter for possibly a bump up because we're getting indoors, but it's looking good. We're fairly optimistic, our experts, um, on the outlook for the fall and winter as far as pandemic goes. Canada's reached 70% of its total population as far as vaccination goes and 80% of its eligible population has received two doses of the vaccine and the province's science advisory table released their modeling yesterday they say they're cautiously optimistic uh as we look ahead if we keep the status quo there are no changes in behavior or policy cases would begin to increase in october um and would surpass 1500 new cases day by day until um Cases a day, sorry, by November. And if transmission is reduced by 25% or more, and that's by us limiting the number of people we come in contact with and making sure we're as many people are vaccinated as possible, cases would track steadily downwards. And, you know, we're not projected to hit zero. COVID negative probably is not going to happen. But um, it's not looking too bad if we stay the course. Um, one of the headlines it has been that... Um, the National uh, Action Association of uh, Advisory Committee, rather, for uh, immunization is saying that if you are a senior in long-term care, you should get a COVID-19 booster. And I'd just like to welcome to the show Dr. Samir Sinha, who is with, uh, he's Director of Geriatrics at Mount Sinai and University Health Network Hospitals. Dr. Sinha, um you have been calling for this for quite a while, the idea of boosters. I think we talked about it a couple of months back. Now, one of the fears is that we could be looking at a situation where uh, immunity is waning in an older population. Can you speak to that? And if we are getting to this in a timely fashion? Yes, thank you, Kelly. Um, you know, I think it was it was it was a good announcement that came out yesterday, saying that we need to really focus um, a booster policy on where these vaccinations will make a difference. So, first of all, the good news is that while we're talking about seventy percent of Canadians having uh, become fully vaccinated, right now we sit at ninety five percent of Canadians sixty and above um, who are um, have at least one dose, and ninety two percent who have been fully vaccinated. So, um, it's I'm, I think that's a triumph that uh, our older population has really jumped at the opportunity to get vaccinated. Um, and that protection has done an incredible job to start stemming um, the significant deaths that we've had because they've represented 94% of the deaths in Canada to date uh, overall. 
But what we've been seeing is is that we know that older adults don't necessarily uh, mount um, uh, the same level of immune response that younger people would. With the COVID vaccines, for example, what we do know is that generally older people have mounted a good response, almost equivalent to younger people. But if you're particularly immunocompromised, um, and that really tends to characterize frail, older seniors who might have be living with chronic conditions in particular, um, they're more at risk. And some recent studies that have been based in Ontario and Canada have been showing that older people, particularly those living in long-term care settings who tend to be these frail older people with immunocompromised situations, um, tend to see uh, a waning immunity much more so than, say, the staff members caring for them. So I was, once we were starting to see this clear data emerging, I started agitating about a month ago saying, I think it's time. I think we should start doing this. And of course, yesterday we were up to 260 homes across the country, long-term care and retirement that were in outbreak. So I, I'm glad that at least four provinces had moved earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm glad that pretty much all provinces and territories will move. And then the next question needs to be, um, do we have sufficient evidence to then quickly look at um, our general senior population um, and our um, and those, for example, who are high-risk seniors living in the community. Um, and right now, you know, there's growing evidence to talk about waning immunity. But again, when we have limited vaccines, I think, and limited number of vaccinators, I think we need to prioritize people. I thought we had them. a glut of vaccines. Well, we have, a, so we have, we have a glut of vaccines, but we, so this is the challenge right now because people, everybody wants boosters and they want more vaccines. And politically, people say, let's get people out there vaccinating. The challenge is we only have a limited number of vaccinators. And, uh, and right now, if we say, hey, everybody get a third shot, for example, all of a sudden it tends to be the vulnerable um, who get left behind very quickly. And that's what I don't want to happen. And globally right now, while we might think we have a glut of vaccines in Canada, we have three billion people in the world who haven't received a single dose yet. And that, believe it or not, is a bigger threat um, uh, uh, to all of us because if those variants, new va- this is where new variants grow and live. And then if we have a new variant that comes out that is completely immune to whatever we're giving right now, we're all back to square one. Right. So this is where we have to think about globally, how are we solving the world's problems? Because the world solving the world's problems solves our problems. But then also, how do we also use a limited number of vaccinators to really focus on the populations that would benefit the best first? So I'm not anti-booster shots by any means, but it's my goal is to say, Let's focus on these older people in our long-term care homes first and our retirement homes, and then let's get to other people as we need to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just concerned about seniors that might be left behind that uh, have PSWs coming into their houses, people still cleaning their houses. I mean, these there are a lot of seniors that are staying at home. And a lot of people, as we had talked about at the very beginning of this, a lot of people took their parents out of uh, long-term care homes at the beginning of this pandemic. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that uh, NASI has not suggested this apply to all seniors that, you know, could be vulnerable here. Because I think, uh, you know, just because you're not in a long-term care home doesn't mean you're not coming in contact with people. No, I and I agree with you, Kelly. I think I think the challenge for NASI is that they really try and look at the science that exists. We have more science and information that exists around seniors living in long-term care and retirement homes than we do on, say, community-dwelling seniors, for example, who could you know easily be living in a long-term care home, but they have a dedicated 
family members or caregivers who are providing same uh, same level of hands-on care, which could also put them at risk. So mm-hmm. one of the things I've been calling for is number one, just as we were doing the vaccine rollout, let's make sure that we focus on our, our most vulnerable, which tend to be the older adults. Let's start, first of all, with the most vulnerable older adults, you know, the 400,000 who are living in our long-term care and retirement homes, get them their boosters. And then just like we did early on, then the next population would be those high-risk seniors living in the community, for example, those who are you know, receiving home care and those supports who can't really get out and about in their community and are not those healthy seniors. And then I think we would sequence to the rest of the individuals but, as well. Dr. Sinna, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying here, but I also see a lot of seniors that uh, think they're, they're good, that look like they're they are more frail and possibly compromised than they're even admitting to themselves going out and about in public. And a lot of the times they're not wearing their masks appropriately. I am concerned about that segment of the population being left behind, whether they are, you know, because maybe they're partially responsible for it. Yeah, I, you know, again, right. I, I think the, so I, I, I hear you and I think, and I, and believe me, there's nobody who is, uh, who has been more concerned about our older population than I have as well. For sure. it's, it's, and, and, but I know what you mean. Like there are a lot of older people that I know have been saying, you know, Dr. Sinha, are you betraying us by saying like, what about me? You know, I'm mm-hmm. 62. Let, let, why are you forgetting about me? I'm not forgetting about anybody. Um, and is 62 uh, a I, senior now. Well, that seems pretty young. Well, this is the thing, right? Because then people will say, wait a minute, like what you're calling me a senior now? What? Right. But this is the challenge. We have to remember that most of our, our, our older adult population are quite healthy and well and independent. They're not needing care. Um, they're doing quite well. But we know that just being older than 60, for example, makes you a much higher risk than any other population age group. The good news is, is that uh, compared to our long-term care population, I think this is one of those subtleties that many people don't appreciate. Because we were so worried about our older population in our long-term care homes, we vaccinated them first, the earliest. And number two, we didn't delay their second dose. And now we're actually realizing that delaying second doses, which is what happened with most community-dwelling seniors, gave community-dwelling seniors a higher level of protection than those who are vaccinated early without that dosing, um, that uh, prolonged dosing interval. Got it. So, so, so they may be better off, the actual people that are not living in congregate settings uh, because yeah. of just the interval between the doses. Dr. Sinna, thank you so much for making sense of this. I appreciate it. I, uh, I know you know your stuff, and that's why we reach out to you with these stories. Thank you so much for being generous with your time today. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Have a good one. Dr. Sinna, Director of Geriatrics at Mount Sinai and University Networks Hospitals.